This is Evan from Denver, and I'd rather look at a leaning IKEA table than listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Wow. Episode 119 of I Doubt It with Dollamore on this April 29th, 2015. I am your host, after almost 120 episodes, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, ready to go, with an eagerness that is unmatched, it is unparalleled, Brittany Page. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Wow! No. <laughs> that's, that's not looking good. Um, for this action-packed episode. You know, I'm getting it together, but I, I'm i tired. Well, you need to get it together because this is, like I said, not to be redundant and unable to come up with another word for it. It is action-packed. Yeah, we have a lot. and Topic-rich, if you will. I am ready for that. I have been reading up on everything, um, even though I have other things to do you do very busy with school you are wrapping up your very first year of graduate school how uh, how's it going it's going okay i have three days of class session left and then i have finals week yeah so that's both uh good and bad because then i think about what i have to get done in that amount of time and you're also ult the ultimate a type personality so you're you don't fucking slack off. You're not not thinking about shit. You are perpetually fixated on the task at hand and what you have to do. Right. It's unfortunate because even when finals are done, I can't relax because I don't relax until I see my final grade. <laughs> so, well, which sometimes is is a long time after class because professors are historically lazy fucking turds who don't grade the final assignments until they've had time to unwind themselves. At times, yes, yeah. this is true. So yeah, it's a problem. But overall, it, this I'll be finishing up my first year in graduate school, and who knew well, that this would happen? Let me ask you a question, if you would indulge me. Yes. What would you say some of the main differences are, or a, a main difference, maybe not the main difference, but a large difference between undergraduate work and graduate work? Um, I would say one of the main things is that in undergraduate, you're being taught a lot of things. And in graduate, you are expected to teach yourself a lot of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they give you the materials, but you need to teach yourself. And then I would say I have learned more. So you're saying it's like University of Phoenix. Uh... <laughs> I don't know about that, but, and then another main difference I would say. Really? You're just going to bypass that? That's it? Yeah. Whatever yeah. you have to say is great. Um, <laughs> I would also say that what you learn is way more. So I, I've learned more in the past year than I have, than I did in well, my whole undergraduate career. Give me a, for instance, of something you learned just recently that was maybe not, uh, 
super technical so the audience isn't Okay, but something that's interesting. Right, so I'll a just, little factoid. I'll skip over my assessment class then. Is what you mean? <laughs> um, psychological assessment is not fun for people to hear okay, about. Okay, well, okay, yeah, yeah, we get it. Um, well, just on on Tuesday was that yesterday? Um, yeah, that was yesterday. We were, I didn't say Wednesday, April 29th, <laughs> 2015. We were learning about how to treat social anxiety disorder. Mm, I got all kinds of that. Most people think it's just talking to people, right? But we actually talked about how uh, some common themes with social anxiety disorder are people who are afraid to eat in public. To eat in public? Yeah. Hmm. Like eat with people looking at them. Like eating like messy salad with salad dressing or something. Yeah. It reminds me of the first date Or like a messy burrito where you feel like you're... Yeah. It's an oral sex phallic kind of a thing going okay, on. Okay, I've never heard that. Uh, um, maybe I just imagine yeah. that when I eat a burrito. The too much Freudian <laughs> shit happening here. Um, wow! So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but another thing that, that my professor talked about and related to treating social anxiety disorder is that people also have a fear of going to the bathroom, both men and women. Oh. Of course. Using a public restroom. Of course, men. Uh, I mean, I I don't want to speak. I'm not the spokesman for men, but I will say this, that men, and it's not necessarily, especially for me. Let let me just talk about me. How about that? Well, what else would you talk about? (laughs) Oh, are you taking a big fat dump on Jesse D right now? Sorry. (laughs) Um, I don't, I'm not a germaphobe, so I don't have a problem with going to the bathroom, a public bathroom, but. I do notice this. This is something I notice all the time because I don't really have a fear per se, Mm -hmm. but I do see going into public bathrooms and seeing like, like when we go to the movies and you walk in, I'll walk into a bathroom that's empty except for one person Mm -hmm. who's off in the corner at the urinal line, like faced into the corner so all the people who aren't in there don't see his dick. Okay. That's a weird kind of a fear-based thing that he's so afraid someone's going to look at his penis uh-huh. that he can't handle it. <laughs> and then I, I've reflected because I'm like, oh, have I ever been that afraid? And I'm, I, listen, I'm I'm not afraid, and I, I'm not even afraid to say I'm afraid. I'm that's how unafraid I am, Brittany. <laughs> okay, but but it's this. There have been times where you saddle up to the urinal bank. You know, there's a long <laughs> line of urinals, and you yeah. you get up there, and you're gonna. You're going to break out the the, the equipment mm-hmm. to get the job done. The peen, the if pe- you will. The peen, as it, as it were. The ween. The wiener. Hopefully not a truth ween. No, it's not a truth wiener. Okay. Mine is only filled with lies. <laughs> and 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 you get up there and and, and sometimes it's a little, a little slow to start. Okay. The flow is not readily available. Of the pee-pee. Of the urine. Yeah, that's yes. right. The pee- well, the pee-pee can be the pee or the... It could be the implement or the product from yeah, the implement. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the penis. Okay. The dick. Okay. So you break the dick out, Brittany Page. Yeah. Or the dizzle, as I saw someone call it today, <laughs> which I prefer, quite frankly. I like that. Shout out to Ramey. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't want to belabor this, but there have been times in my past or even recently mm-hmm. that you get up there at the line of urinals. Yeah. And... <laughs> I don't know how to say it. It's almost embarrassing. But listen. Yes. On this show, we have a policy of truth. We do. And honesty. Yeah, so, so I'm going to be it. honest. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> you can do it. 
Well, that's the problem. Sometimes I can't do it when there's a bunch of people. But what I do in my head, and this is so, fuck, it's so lame. In my head, I say to myself, I like coach myself. It's silent. It's not like out loud. Like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but I'm, I, I try to convince, like, psych myself into it by like, you're, you're a fucking man. You're not afraid. You're. This shit doesn't bother you. You're a fucking man. You're going to do this. Yeah. And then I, oh, yeah, I'm a man. I and then the it. PP flows. And then it, the flow starts to happen. Oh, well, great. So you figured out a method to work through it. Yeah, but that's a weird, I shouldn't have to psych myself up into urinating just because there's a human being standing six inches to my right who's staring straight ahead at the wall because everybody wants to mind their own business at the urinal. Yeah. No, no, nobody wants to be chatting it up. You know what I mean? Unless two buddies walk in and are chatting and then continue to chat. But if two buddies, two people are chatting at the urinal and then you walk in, that's an awkward thing for that third person. It's why are these dudes holding their dicks and talking? Right. I don't, maybe it's just me. Well, I don't think it's just you because we, I actually was just talking to a friend recently and they were expressing the same kind of concerns and they were sharing with me the things that, that they focus on or that they tell themselves when they are peeing in a public restroom. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking to dudes or are you talking to women? No, I was talking to a male. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because why would a woman have any anxiety? You're in separate stalls. Well, apparently they do. There are some women that have anxiety surrounding using a public restroom. I could see maybe in Marine Corps boot camp or something where, you know, it's just a line of toilets with no dividers. That, 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 that's a bummer. You know, taking care of your biz after you've taken a dump. Or after you've poo-pooed, as Brittany Page would say. That's not what I say. Uh, after you've had a tum time. A tum time. After your tum has been evacuated. <laughs> uh, that's a bummer. That's private time. Wiping one's butthole is private time, Brittany Page. But, but I digress. Go ahead. Continue with the person you were talking to. And well, their inability to go to the bathroom in public. <laughs> well, I'm not going to share what they Why? shared with me. Well, you, well, you're not naming who they are. Okay. Well, if I'm being honest, it's because I don't remember what they said <laughs> um, that they say to themselves. I think it was like focusing on a number, a certain number, but I didn't really understand what that meant. But but what I'm just I'm trying to make you feel better here, so you should feel better. Um, I didn't. I never started feeling bad. That though, it is common. You. Well, you, you were nervous to share your personal peeing well, experiences. Listen, it's, not, well, it's only because I try to to provide an image of stability and strength, and and I don't because I look, I don't fucking know. I guess I'm just a pussy. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that. I don't think that. I think it's a legitimate thing. And maybe we'll have some men listen to this and call in and, and feel like they want to express what their anxiety is surrounding using a public restroom. If you want to do that, my fellow fearsome bathroom users, 657-464-7609. That is our number. 657-464-7609. While you're calling or after you call, you should go to iTunes or whatever conveyance you download the show and listen to it and rate and or review us on iTunes. That is a great way to support the show. And we love, I think we're going to start reading maybe a couple reviews of ours a day and really focusing on the funny ones or whatever. Yeah. But 
we really appreciate. It doesn't go. It doesn't fall on deaf ears. That is something that I am compulsively checking. <laughs> Me too. I will admit how many reviews we have, and it's listen. We we love the love, and we love the advice and the critique and everything else. I and want, we've had some critiques. Yeah, listen. I want honest reviews. I don't want just five stars for the sake of oh yeah, great five stars. We take advice very well. We take criticism and constructive criticism very well. Mm, yeah. And also don't um <laughs> oh, wow. Uh don't don't think that you're just reviewing and that it's it's just gonna sit there and, and, and do nothing. It's actually beneficial for furthering the exposure of the show. Because when people review, then it sets it higher then it sets the show higher in the iTunes countdown or whatever. The it's whole called. algorithm, yeah. It's th- their algorithm is very mysterious, but it's set to help us get higher up in new and noteworthy in the what's hot section. And listen, audience, I want to um, tell you how the sausage is made a little bit here. I know Brittany. Oh hates, my god, she hates that saying, but we are in a tough category, and I'm not throwing ourselves on the mercy of our listeners and trying to beg for reviews, although that's exactly what we're doing. Sounds a little bit like it. Um, We're in a tough category. I was talking today to someone about our particular genre, which is news and politics. And I don't know if you know, and if you've ever searched through the what is available in iTunes for podcasts in this genre, but... Every Fox News show, every CNN show, every CNNBC show, every MSNBC show, every news radio show, AM radio show in Los Angeles, and I'm assuming everywhere else, turns their daily shows into podcasts. So we're not just competing against Gary and Mary, the other, I'm assuming there's a podcast of Gary and Mary. There's no way Gary and Mary are better than us. Brittany and Jesse are also competing against... The big boys. Yeah, we are. Chris Wallace. Yep. Papa Bear, big old, uh, what's his name? Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. I knew his name, I think. What's uh, Cat Scratch Fever? Doesn't he have a podcast? Uh, the the meat eaten. Oh, Ted, Ted, Nugent. Ted Nugent. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. All I could think of was him singing Cat, Cat Scratch, Scratch Fever, Fever with Mike Huckabee. So that's all I could think of. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Everybody. All these assholes have a podcast. Yeah. So listen, <laughs> and we're not going to belabor this anymore. We've already gone 14 minutes on this. Go to the website. I mean, iTunes. Go to whatever mechanism by which you download the show and review and rate the show. It really, if you haven't done it and you're a regular listener, I would really, really appreciate it. Brittany would probably not appreciate it, but I would greatly appreciate it. How dare you? Moving on to follow-up. Should we have a follow-up drop? Yeah. Like a bumper for follow-up? Yeah, but there's no point in asking anyone to uh, create one because that doesn't work very well. We can't even get one for pew, pew, pew. (laughs) God damn it. I'm just kidding. I'm not insulting anybody. I'm just making a statement. Oh, yeah. Brittany doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. That's my job, everybody. More (laughs) how the sausage is made. Come on. Listen, this last week on John Oliver, he continued to take on Dr. Oz. Yeah, he did. And... I don't know if the likes of John Oliver and John Stewart with The Daily Show are listening to this show and stealing from us. I think that's probably... Highly unlikely. I wasn't going to say highly unlikely. I was going to say less likely than great minds think alike. Mm -hmm. Let me get through 
before you start shitting on what I'm saying. I'm sorry. I'm being a terrible co-host. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, John Oliver readdressed because last year he had the, some of the same criticisms we had. But this year he very succinctly and aggressively had this to say. Dr. Oz has had a rough year from being grilled by a Senate committee to having a major medical journal claim that evidence supported less than half of the recommendations on his show, to having one of his guests, celebrity nutritionist Lindsay Duncan, pay $9 million to settle a lawsuit uh, with the FTC for misleading claims, which was hardly surprising because the only job title more meaningless than celebrity nutritionist is sloth wrangler because they're very, very slow. You don't need professional experience to wrangle that. That's basically an inanimate object. That's not a job. You're picking up a stationary thing and putting it somewhere else. But anyway, the point is just last week, Dr. Oz found himself under attack yet again. Dr. Oz is being accused of promoting quack treatments by some top physicians who want to get him fired from his job at Columbia University. Yes, nine out of ten doctors agreed. That tenth doctor has got to go. <laughs> well, on Thursday, Dr. Oz responded. You've seen the headlines. You've heard the controversy. Now, Dr. Oz fires back. Coming up next... Dr. Oz breaks his silence. Holy shit. They make it sound like he's about to enter the Thunderdome. Two doctors enter, one doctor leaves because he was paged. <laughs> Do Dr. Oz spent much of the episode attacking the doctors who'd called for his resignation, arguing that industry ties were behind their criticism, which might be true, may well be true, but none of that answers the substance of the accusations that he is a quack who serves viewers horseshit dressed up as medicine. And his response to that has been pathetic. It's called the Dr. Oz Show. We very purposely, on the logo, have Oz as the middle, and the doctor is actually up in the little bar for a reason. <laughs> I want folks to realize that I'm a, I'm a doctor, and I'm coming into their lives to be supportive of them. But it's not a medical show. What's he talking about? It's not a medical show because the word doctor is small. If, if the size of a word in a logo designated its truth value, then this would be the logo for Pizza Hut. Because just because some bread, tomatoes and cheese got blackout drunk and fucked each other in an abandoned dumpster doesn't mean you get to call the resulting abomination pizza. But... But... But out of all Dr. Oz's flimsy pushbacks, this was perhaps the weakest. No matter our disagreements, freedom of speech is the most fundamental right we have as Americans. And these 10 doctors are trying to silence that right. No, you are scientifically wrong about that, as you are about so many things. Let's be clear, the First Amendment protects Americans from government censorship, and that's it. It does not guarantee you the right to simultaneously hold a faculty position at a prestigious private university and make misleading claims on a TV show. It absolutely protects your right to say whatever you like on it, just as it protects my right to say what I think about you on mine. Which is Here this. we go. You are the worst person in Scrubs who has ever been on television, and I'm including Katherine Heigl in that. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to be worse than Katherine Heigl? You are also the admittedly handsome ringmaster of a middling mid-afternoon televised snake oil dispensary. 
And it says something, that even when you do a show with seven fake models of human feces, the biggest piece of shit on the stage has his name in the title. Isn't freedom of speech great? What do you think about that, Brittany Page? That was not holding anything back. (laughs) I'll just say that. That's the kind of language that makes you very uncomfortable when it comes out of this face over here. Yeah, I didn't mind it so really? much coming from John Oliver. Oh, because so, is, is it the British accent that does it? You know, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, you know I have the that bias. Nation. <laughs> Ronald. So the thing I want to po- point out, and this is where we really, really agree. This is where the opinions from Brittany and I on I Doubt It with Dollamore really align with the opinions of John Oliver and his writers on this week with John Oliver. Mm-hmm. Dr. Oz spent much of the episode attacking the doctors who'd called for his resignation, arguing that industry ties were behind their criticism, which might be true, may well be true, but none of that answers the substance of the accusations that he is a quack who serves viewers horseshit dressed up as medicine. That is exactly what we've said over the course of several, several episodes last year and this year. That he is not, well, one, the accusers that he's facing right now very well might be bad guys. We've said that. However, he is not addressing their specific claims. He's outright ignoring them, which would lead any reasonable person, or I would hope would lead any reasonable person, to question his honesty, his integrity, his purpose in what he's doing. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I know that you have an issue with... John Oliver not talking about Reiki or Reiki or why, why do I need to know how to say it? I don't think you do. Okay. Um, Here are the three things I want you to remember from today's show. First off, try Reiki. This alternative Reiki. medicine treatment can manipulate your energy and cure what ails you. <laughs> so it's Reiki. And it'll cure what ails you, Brittany Page. Yeah, That's so- what's most important. How to say it's not so important. Knowing that it will cure what ails you. Right. You know, like penicillin or amoxicillin or any other broad spectrum antibiotic. It's just as powerful as that because it will cure what ails you. So what was most disturbing to me about the Dr. Oz clip, though, and I hadn't heard this before, was his explanation of how the doctor in the logo is really small. <laughs> like, Are you kidding me? Really? I know, right? That's your... That's well, your listen, excuse? We put a lot of that into the logo, everybody, and Oz is really big for a reason because that's my name, but the doctor part is really small and up in the top corner. What a dick. Yeah, it's still called the Dr. Oz Show, listen, and you're, you you are a doctor, <laughs> and people know that. If you're going to try to use some sleight of hand, you need to be better than a fucking heroin addict who's like, oh, I'm out of my mind. I don't know what I'm doing. You got to use a little pendulette sleight of hand. You, you can't just say, Oz is big. Everything's okay. Yeah. It's just a dick hole. It's, it's very strange. He's digging the hole. Speaking of hole and dick hole, he's digging the hole bigger and bigger and deeper for himself. I understand the hole that you were referring <laughs> to. All right. Thank well, you. Speaking of a hole, it seems as though the mayor of Baltimore has dug herself a hole. Look at that. That yeah. is... That is a professional segue into a terrible topic, Brittany Page. Yeah, this is quite quite rough. 
Unrest in Baltimore over the death of a gentleman named Freddie Gray while in police custody. Uh, the young Mr. Gray died. His his He was arrested after having apparently fleed from the police via bicycle and was apprehended, pinned to the ground, stuffed into a paddy wagon, and the resulting injury was that his spinal cord was severed um, they're, they're reporting 80% severed, which was a fatal injury mm-hmm. to Freddie Gray. In the resulting days, there have been many, many protests. Because there are no answers as to what happened. That's exactly. Well, the Baltimore police and the Baltimore mayor's office came out and have a, they had a press conference and tried to release some details. And let me tell you, they're about as fucking tone deaf as the Ferguson, Missouri Police Department and city administration because th- they were very arrogant in the manner with which they gave the press conference. It was very matter of fact. Yeah, we don't know. We don't have any answers. I don't know. Just Yeah, it was very aggressive. Very weird. Yeah. yeah. I-, I wasn't... Uh, I-, I mean, listen, I'm not a citizen. I don't like Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a terrible city. Uh, having lived in Washington, D.C. for many years and being a Washington Redskins fan... And hating the the Ravens, maybe that's what it is. Just you know. well, well, the press conference was weird for me because you think that these people are giving a press conference wanting to make the best impression, calm things down, illuminate the situation, right? And the way with which they were speaking was extremely problematic. It was. I I don't want to go as far as to say maybe disrespectful. How about this? It was dismissive. Yeah. At the very least, it was dismissive. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, in the resulting days, there have been there has been much much civil unrest. There have been burning cars, uh, many buildings burning in the city. There has been a, a curfew imposed of ten o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I want to talk about this. I mean, should we should we address the mayor situation first and what kind of led to this? The, yeah. the, the melee, or should we just talk about, in general, the situation? What do you think? Let's talk about the mayor first. All right. Well, the mayor of Baltimore gave a speech where she talked about giving protesters the space to destroy things. Can, can I make a note here? Yeah, please. I think with Ferguson, most of the, the city officials were white. Were yes, they? absolutely. That's okay. no, that's right. That's no, that's for sure right. Yeah, in Baltimore. I mean, that mayor in Ferguson's got something going on. He's not a straight white guy, but I think he's Hispanic or something. But certainly on the white, he's on the George Zimmerman scale of Hispanic. He, okay. <laughs> so in, you know what I mean. In Baltimore, it's completely different. The mayor is black. That's right. The police commissioner is black. That's right. And most people who are giving comments to the media on behalf of city officials are black right yeah it it, it is different but and this really illustrates the point that this isn't necessarily a white on black issue relative to cop violence to police violence it is a blue on black issue this there is an endemic problem in our country that is serious that has to do with police violence against black people I, save your emails because it it does 
bleed into white communities. And there is an issue with police violence against whites and just a, 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 an overall feeling of dominance and control of the police. But it's very, very prevalent and more prevalent within black communities. I believe just based on anecdotal evidence of what I've seen, what I've experienced. So the, the Baltimore mayor gave a press conference talking about this space to destroy. And this is what she said. And I've made it very clear that I uh, worked with the police and instructed them to do everything that they could to make sure that the protesters were able to exercise their uh, right to free speech. Uh, it's a very delicate balancing act because while we uh, tried to make sure that they were protected from the cars and the other you know, things that were going on, um, we also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. And we uh, worked very hard to, uh, to keep that balance and, and to put ourselves in the best position to de-escalate. And that's what you saw this evening. Did you hear that? We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. And in no part did she talk about a delineation between protesters, and we're going to get to this later, but protesters and rioters and looters right. and people ne'er-do-wells, people who, who don't have the who don't have the cause at heart. Right. During the day, you've got protesters and you've got people who earnestly feel passionate about this cause, about police violence against young black males, unarmed black males, whether they have a criminal record or not, unarmed black males. Violence that leads to death. That's a problem. So you have protesters who are passionate about this. And then when night falls or when night is getting ready to fall, you have opportunists who need or are given by the institutions of government within Baltimore the space to destroy. So one more time, I want you to hear her say it. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. So she's making an executive decision that we're going to give them, we're going to allow them the buffer to destroy what they want or need to destroy. Is that not what you're hearing? That is what I'm hearing, yes. Well, when asked about this the next day by a reporter after the many buildings were burned, the CVSs were burned, the many, many neighborhood cars were burned. Small businesses. Yeah, small businesses. Owned by citizens. Liquor stores and... Cash checking ca places. Yeah, the, the, the typical shady businesses and also very reputable businesses that, that exist within low-income neighborhoods, they were destroyed, burned to the ground. Homes were burned. Old folks' homes in development by Christian organizations, by churches, were burned to the ground. Millions and mi hundreds of millions of dollars worth of buildings were burned. When asked about this by a reporter, this was the exchange. And we can get that information to you. Mayor, what do you make of the criticism that uh, your words might have encouraged some of the activity on the streets? I, I'll say the, the very... Um, blatant mischaracterization of my words um, was not helpful today. I was asked a question about um, the property damage that was done. 
And in answering that question, I made it very clear that we walk a balance, uh, we walk, we balance a very fine line between giving protesters, um, giving protesters, peaceful protesters, space to protest. What I said is, in doing so, people can hijack that and use that space for bad. I did not say that we were accepting of it. I did not say that we were passive to it. I was just explaining how property damage can happen during a, a peaceful protest. It is very unfortunate that members of your industry decided to mischaracterize my words and try to use it as a way to say that we are inciting violence. There's, so there's no, no such thing. There's no order to the police to hold back to let some of this happen during the Absolutely not. Absolutely not, and I've never said anything to the to um, to that to that fact. Absolutely not. And she's never said anything to that fact. Well, listen, in the spirit of not mischaracterizing the mayor of Baltimore, one more time. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. We also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. And then, when questioned about it... And in answering that question, I made it very clear that we walk a balance... Uh, we, we balance a very fine line between giving protesters... Um, giving protesters, peaceful protesters, space to protest. What I said is, in doing so, people can hijack that and use that space for bad. I did not say that we were accepting of it. I did not say that we were passive to it. I was just explaining how property damage can happen during a, a peaceful protest. She should have been more clear. Because I can understand that, that those underlying assumptions that she was maybe thinking or feeling or wanting to get across. But that did not come across. It didn't come across. And they were prepared remarks. They weren't extemporaneous. She had prepared remarks the first time. The second time, when she's even more clear and there's more clarity uh, provided to the reporter's question, that is when she was speaking extemporaneously. But the first time, they were prepared remarks. So th there's no excuse for this. And she, listen, I, I don't see, I, I will say this. In the resulting days after the curfews have been imposed, she has, the city and the administration has controlled the level of violence. and But I'm going to tell you this. I, I may have misspoken. I don't believe it's them having controlled the situation as much as it is the community itself policing from within. Because they haven't really done anything. There has been a, a, a very marked movement among black leaders within Baltimore and these different these different communities that have come out and controlled the situ situation. That's what I see. So getting to the general, the general, I guess maybe response to the violence and the upheaval and the 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 civil disobedience in the streets of Baltimore. Okay. There's been a lot of very hyperbolic, and I, God damn, we keep using that word so often on the show, and I don't want to settle in on one word that we use all the time, but there's no other way to describe it. Very hyperbolic language on social media, and, you know, listen, I've said on the show before that 
most of my friends are white. I don't make any I don't make any uh, excuses about it. I do have lots of black friends, uh, fifty or so. <laughs> but but it bothers me seeing the comments that I see, and a lot of my friends are this knee jerk kind of liberal who are just going to support the cause and they don't want to be perceived at all as someone who has a criticism or a critique at all. Right. And I think that's damaging. I think that's a that's a, a problematic stance to take. You know, when I hear things like, you know, when white kids riot and when white kids after a, a football game start burning cars, everybody just says, oh, they're blowing off steam. I know. Who in the fuck says that white kids in college who flip over cars and burn them are just blowing off a little steam? Yeah, I am disgusted they, when I see that. They are assholes. In yeah. fact, they are bigger assholes than black, quote unquote, thugs in the street who are burning cars because there's no reason to do what yeah, they're doing. They have white privilege and I hate that term, but goddamn, there's no other way to say it. That is what it is. These are middle-class white kids who are angry over a fucking sporting event. Right, something so futile that doesn't matter at all. Sorry, sports people, but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Listen, it's entertaining, but it's the same as throwing a fit over the ending of Mad Men. Yeah. It's a fucking sporting event. Even if you lost money on it, fuck you. You don't get to burn a car. You're a thug. You're, you're a moron. So this leads me into a whole different thought process about this. That, one, we need to distinguish between protesters and rioters and looters. Not a three-pronged uh, delineation, but just two. You do have your protesters who are there during the day, who are holding hands and marching and chanting. A guy with a bullhorn, freedom, freedom, justice, justice. You know, Freddie Gray, Justice, Freddie Gray, ju that is awesome. That That is the, th the kind of thing that Martin Luther King Jr. would have gotten behind. Oh, speaking of Martin Luther King Jr., God, is this going to be all over the board? Uh-oh, here Which we go. Just so much. Listen, white people, and even black people, listen. Quit quoting Martin Luther King when he says, riots are just the language of the unheard. Listen. Martin Luther King was a beautiful man who had wisdom beyond his years, and he has influenced this country in massive ways that will last for generations. But not every word that fell out of his face was genius, and that is one of them. Rioting is criminal. When you riot and you destroy that doesn't further any cause. Well, I think your main point is as well with the rioting is that these people want to have a message be received by the police, by the government. That's right. And when you are harming your fellow citizens by damaging their property, by burning their car, by burning their business. That's exactly right. You are harming your fellow people. Yeah, well, think about this. And I'm sure that a lot of our audience are experiencing some cognitive dissonance right now because we have a very i think a very liberal i would assume a pretty liberal audience but listen if you think that it's okay like oh well you know it's just a lot of generations of black angst and blah 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 and a lot of that is true most of that is true that these kids have grown up they they don't have an outlet for their anger for their frustration 
I get that. But think about this when you're justifying, because you don't have to justify their behavior. An explanation for behavior doesn't have to be a justification for it. So when you're out there on Facebook or on you're out there on Twitter or you're out at lunch with a friend and you're talking about these issues and you're justifying the behavior, think about this. Think about that welfare mom whose 1993 Toyota Tercel was burned to the ground and smashed and stomped on by rioters because it just happened to be in their, in their path. She's got two or three kids. She can't afford to buy a new car. She can barely afford the car she has now. How is she going to better her life? What is she going to do now that she has no transportation? And here's the other thing. And we've gone long here. Right? This is 40 minutes in. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem... This is odd. And Brittany and I talked about this and she laughed. But when I see these rioters and these 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 the, the more violent side of the protests, when I see them burning cop cars and stomping on cop cars, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Because if your issue is with the government, then that is where your angst and your 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 anger should be focused. Am I am I wrong in that? Well, it's kind of what I was just referring to earlier, which is a lot of these damages are being inflicted upon innocent people that didn't have anything to do with anything. They are their fellow people, your, yeah. your fellow citizens. And if you are wanting to have a message received by the police and by the government, this is not working. This is not the message. They don't care because all it does is reinforce how they feel what right. their prejudice are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's unfortunate because they're wrong, right? Absolutely they're wrong. They're for sure wrong. But here's the thing, and it, you know, maybe you should be talking about this cuz you'll be talking to your people, you know, bleeding heart liberals. That we're falling into the same trap that we fell in in Ferguson. That oh, if you're going to be on one side or the other, if you're a liberal and you support the, the the uprising in Ferguson, then Michael Brown was a wonderful college-bound student who was pure as the driven snow and wonderful. And if you're on the other side where you support the cops, then Darren Wilson was a hero and a patriot, and he was just doing his job against that evil little black boy. Right. I mean, you don't have to take those two fucking sides on either case, whether it be Baltimore or Ferguson. Like I said before, and I've said many times, and I've gotten flack for it, Fuck, I've had hour, hours-long conversations on Skype with angry Canadian ladies because of it. Michael Brown, not a good guy. By all accounts, he was a thieving piece of shit. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. And on the other side of the coin, you have Darren Wilson, who by all accounts was a piece of shit, who harassed citizens and has been caught on video arresting people while he came onto their lawns, giving them a hard time. So both things can exist. Disclaimer, 
notwithstanding, both things can exist. Why no disclaimer? Well, <laughs> see, here's what happens. I get the eyeballs like, ah, hey, what are you doing? Okay. This panicked look like a deer in the headlights from Brittany Page. And I have to play the disclaimer. Okay. Well, no, I get what you're saying. It's just you're, you know, a little... Flying off the handle. No, so, yeah. so, so what I'm saying is the same thing's happening in Baltimore now. Right. If you support the protesters, which I do, I think there is a systemic issue and problem with police power and police brutality in our country. Right. So here's what I think happens. I think that it's what always happens on any other issue, which is people that are on the left think, well, what do the people on the left feel about this? Okay, well, I'm someone who resides on the left. So I'm going to side with what the left believes and what the left is saying. The right people on the right do do the same exact thing. And so rather than rationally thinking through they start seeing their fellow liberals posting MLK quotes and they say, oh, well, this is what the left is thinking. This is how the left is reacting. I'm a part of the left. I'm going to react right. like this. Yeah. And then the right does the same thing with the sharing of the police videos and the uh, power to the police and police lives matter or whatever the hell the hashtag is for that. And it's just irrational on both sides, because rather than saying, oh, what does my side believe? I'm going to believe what my side believes. It's Let's analyze what happened. I mean, I've talked to people. It definitely should be that. I've talked to people who had opinions on this issue that didn't even know what happened to Freddie Gray. Now, you're telling me that you have an opinion on this when you don't even know what happened? Is, right. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Right. But the other part of it is you can still talk about things like this 538 article, how Baltimore's young black men are boxed in. And it talks about the economic realities facing men like Freddie Gray. And it talks about how the ages, how the unemployment rate for black men in Baltimore between the ages of 20 and 24 was 37% in 2013. Wait, 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 wait. Are you kidding me? The unemployment rate for black men between what ages? 20 and 24. Is 37. 30, almost 40%. Now for white men of the same age, the rate is 10%. 37% is like third world numbers that is terrible that is there's no jobs and then then think about this the jobs that do exist look they're not executive jobs those are those are burger flipping jobs those are minimum wage jobs so life is not good in baltimore and according to black man sorry according to 538 nor do the prospects for black men improve much as they grow older just 59 percent of black men between the ages of 25 and 54 are working compared to 79 percent of white men just one in ten black men in baltimore have a college degree compared with half of whites and the median income for black households is 33,000, and that is a little more than half that of whites Okay. That's and, a household income, 33000 Right. Now, nearly one in four Baltimore residents live in poverty versus one in six Americans. 18% of Baltimore's homes are vacant compared to 13% in the U.S. So it's almost, Balt- or it's almost Detroit. Right. And yeah. the unemployment rate in Baltimore is nearly three percentage points higher than the U.S. as a whole. Okay. But the thing that 538 emphasizes here is that this is not rare. They say... Um, that Baltimore is not an outlier and Ferguson wasn't an outlier either. There are dozens, if not hundreds of American cities, large and small, with the same the same stew of poverty, inequality, and discrimination. The box that can find Freddie Gray and Michael Brown is just as hard to escape in those cities. Now, this is an article that people should be sharing. 
Absolutely. Which you will find on the Facebook page. We will put this on the Facebook page. And if anything doesn't sit well with you, or if you fervently agree with anything we've said over the course of the last 45, 48 minutes, 657-464-7609. Listen, I encourage you at the highest level of anything I could encourage to call. Please join in the conversation. 657-464-7609. If you're out of the country and have an opinion on this, your opinion is just as valid as someone who lives here. Send us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Listen, before we move on from the Baltimore issue, I want to talk about Fox News and the ever-loved on this program, Shepard Smith. Shepard Smith was covering the initial response uh, the night of the, the the burning of the CVS and all of the things that were going on. Because Shep Smith is the breaking news guy over at Fox. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So when when breaking news happens. News. Um, Shepard Smith is called upon to be their, their news guy. On the case. That's right. He's on the case. Much like Perry Mason. And this is a long clip. And listen, I know there's a lot of people who probably don't like the length of clips that we play on the show, but there's a reason for this. There is a reason for this. We do this because of the fact that I want everything in context. I don't want there to be just a clip taken out, a quote taken out of context, and someone to say, well, that's not really what they said. You got the whole fucking meal deal. Yeah, you I do. probably didn't have to say the F word there. You didn't. But I did. But you did. But I said it. Yeah. So before further ado, before we play this clip <laughs> in its entirety and in all of its context, we have to bestow upon Shepard Smith his first ever. Taking care of biz. Taking care of biz, Brittany Page. There, don't talk first in my segment. Um, Just because you talk in the bumper doesn't mean it's your fucking segment. It is my segment. I'm <laughs> talking in the theme song. It's my segment. Um, so this is not the first time he's had this. I, I don't. I don't think. We're gonna say it is until okay. you can prove me it wrong. All right. Cool. Oh, that's all you had to say. Yeah, you want to argue with me, I'm not going to argue. So here's the deal. We're going to play this clip in its entirety. We may talk a little bit in the midst of it, but I want to give you the whole flavor for what was going down. It's about five minutes, and he is on with Eric Bowling and I think Tucker Carlson. You know, the it's the two stooges and Shepard Smith. I think the main people you're going to hear talk, Eric Bowling starts the clip, then Shep Smith answers him, and I think Greg Gutfeld is also oh, in Oh, that's there. right. Not Tucker Carlson. No, not. Okay. Well, there's some assholes involved. <laughs> and then Shepard Smith. Shep, we're we're running a banner right there. There's a police officer unresponsive. You had mentioned Eric that he was Bowling. unconscious later, but unresponsive it tends to mean something completely different. It, any it, any word on that? It, no, and we've we've reached out and continue to reach out. I know that they're probably very busy offering treatment. It did say unconscious on the screen, but that is not what the authorities said. The authorities said he was unresponsive. Others with broken bones. This is a horrible day for police, and you would guess that the one thing you have to make sure from covering this sort of things forever 
when you send out police that you have to send out enough police to where you're sure they'll be able to own the day. Right. And when these police went out, there were not enough of them to own the day or they had the wrong orders or they had the wrong tactics or something because the police were moving forward, some with shields and some without. The, the children, as they've been described to us, these teenagers, kids who just gotten out of school who are, you know, purging, are throwing brick bats at them and they backed up the police for a long time. Then the police did some pepper spraying and some tear gassing, we believe. The kids, we watched it happen. They went back rearmed with more brick bats and more bottles and came at the police and backed them down again. So whatever the police did, it was not enough in the early going. And you know, it's not, this, is, this is these people's fault, but the police weren't ready. And we, let's just hope that all of them survive this. Hey, Shep. Um Julie asked about the governor, but we also, at least I haven't heard anything from any civil rights leaders, have you? I heard Alveda King on a little while ago on our air telling her to get people home, that, that this is not a way to solve any problems. But it seems like in the middle of all of this, to start picking on people for civil rights and what they're saying and what they're not saying, we, we, could, we could spend our time watching this and reporting on it as we have yeah, I, street I know, after street I don't know. and I, I think it, it might be a nice idea, nice timing for, for one of the uh, higher profile civil rights leaders who, who tend to come in after the fact and say, look how bad things sure were with the, would, with the police I'm officers. They're all but if they came in now during the thing saying, hey, let's, let's, let's call for peace. Let's have some calm here. That's a wonderful idea. I'm confident they're all watching and will, on your instruction, do exactly that. <laughs> I, I, what we really need now is for it not to get dark before police get control. And if what they have is 42 state police and then 40 more to add to the city of Baltimore's police department, that's not what's going to happen. So I, there's been no word on the National Guard. There's been no word on how they plan to retake these streets. But we've watched the numbers here. And if, if police officers were to send people into this crowd, people would get hurt. So what is your alternative at this moment? I'm confident the police are trying to figure this out. But nobody involved, not the parents of these people, not the police officers and their families, nobody wants this to get to nightfall. It, Baltimore can't take that. You mentioned parents. Where are the parents? Well, you know, I've not been on the phone with them. But if we want to sit here and indict the civil rights community and indict the parents for what we're watching right now, instead of, for now, just covering what happens and then later talk about whose fault it is, because we don't know whose can, fault can, it can is. Can I just jump in, Chuck? No one's indicting anyone. We're watching the pictures. Well, we're asking legitimate questions. A lot of our viewers are probably well, asking the same questions. Bowling. Like the question the was, where are out. the parents? Surely you don't expect me to know that. No, my question was, it was a, I, I agree, Chef. It was a hypothetical. Civil, civil rights leaders? Where's Al Sharpton? Where's Jesse Jackson? You know what? Where I also don't know where they are. We've got a major American city that has decades of turmoil within this neighborhood. Decades. You heard the stories from Doug McElway a little while ago mm -hmm. of people being arrested for nothing, of a violent crackdown for years and years, of them feeling powerless and hopeless mm -hmm. and nobody listening to what they were saying. One quarter of the youth locked up. Clearly there is a big problem. Then all of a sudden, an African-American man is taken into a vehicle and he comes out of it and dies and you get nothing from authorities except a suspension and then those who would do harm take an opportunity to do harm and here we are but it's what has happened between all of that and today that has led to this there is no escaping that reality mm -hmm. certainly people will need to come forward now and ask for calm but no one on these streets would be able to listen to that call 
for they're on these streets. And what they have to do now is get law enforcement to come in and fix this. I'm confident that when they can, they will. This sign says checks cash. They've gone into that. This sign, I can't really read. It appears to be pay bills, debit cards. That store has been, has been marked. Many of these stores we've been watching closely have guards that come down over them. These do not. And one after another, businesses are going down. And in no place do you see law enforcement. Law enforcement apparently at this moment does not have the capability to restore order. Otherwise, law enforcement would do that because it is law enforcement. And at this point, no laws are being enforced. And there's a purge underway. Plenty broken. That is what happens when you put a newsman in the midst of opinion idiots. Yeah, so um, I just want everyone to take note of that. Seriously. Yeah, well, and listen, we have a lot of listeners who are Fox News haters. Right, and it irritates me. I mean, it, quite frankly, it irritates me. And not many things irritate me well, the, the thing is on the show. There are, and there are quality news people. I made a joke. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there are quality news people on Fox News. And when you say Fox News is worthless, Fox News is a turd, Fox News is indoctrinating, you know, whatever people say, you're also talking about Shepard Smith. Yeah. And you just heard him. You just heard him challenge his colleagues on air. And that's not the first time that's happened. He didn't just challenge them. He shut them the fuck down. Right. Yeah. And this is what this is what news reporters do. And in fact, I saw someone today post a video of someone on the ground in Baltimore from Fox News interviewing someone being very stupid. And they took that opportunity to crap on Fox News as a whole. And I posted this link in the comments because I'm just, you know, what we always say, it's somewhere in the middle. You can't say Fox News is terrible overall. Well, there's been many times where even guys, black anchors on CNN, Don Lemon, are talking about, oh, and obviously there's the smell of marijuana in the air. Obviously there's a smell of marijuana in the air as well. I mean, there are gaffes on both sides. There are people who don't think before they speak on both sides, on both, on both networks. But... Fox News largely, obviously, is an opinion network, but you have to be able to separate the difference between the news side and the opinion side. Well, and that's why Shepard Smith is the breaking news correspondent. He's also fucking awesome. Yeah, he is. Fox News, I mean, um, Shepard Smith is a goddamn rock star. And maybe, listen, I can, I can abide his opinion because I share his opinion, but he's just good to go. He shut them down. In that segment. So anyway, moving on, because we're going really long here. The Supreme Court of the United States is hearing several consolidated cases. Uh, they have chosen to, to, to mesh, I think, 14 different cases into one. And they're going to, they're going to answer questions on two different segments of uh, the entirety of all of these different cases. Is that right? Uh, kinda. I think you switched around some numbers, but that's okay. All right, let's hear it. Because we have 538, Nate Silver, to Nate save the Silver, day. Nate Silver, rock star Nate Silver. He is in my heart. He's right next to Shepard Smith. <laughs> in, in that hole in my heart where Jesus is usually for oh, people. Oh, yes. I have Shepard Smith and Nathan Silver. Those are great. From those are great replacements. 
Okay, so the case. The petitioners are... And, and Maker's Mark bourbon. All right, that's enough. So I'm trying to read now. <laughs> the petitioners are 12 couples and two widowers from states that bar same-sex marriage. A recent profile by NPR dubbed them accidental activists, meaning they filed lawsuits not to further a cause, but because of the way the bans affected their lives. The challenge to the bans, known as... Oberge Fell versus Hodges, we all know I can't read, so sorry, is actually <laughs> is actually four cases rolled into one. Oh, four, not fourteen. The court consolidated them. I'm dumb. The court consolidated them and limited its consideration to these two questions. Number one. Does the fourteenth amendment require a state to license a marriage between two people of the same sex? Question number two. Does the fourteenth amendment require a state to recognize a marriage between two people of the same sex when their marriage was lawfully licensed and performed out of state. The first is called the marriage question. The second is the recognition question. The court will hear 90 minutes of argument on the former and an hour of argument on the latter. Civics refresher. The 14th Amendment guarantees certain rights under its due process and equal protection clauses. If the answer to the first question is yes, then the answer to the second is irrelevant. Right, right. Okay, so now do you want to know who will be affected? Well, well, here, hang on. I, I want to read for our both domestic and international listeners um, section one of the 14th Amendment, which is, is at play here. Uh, section one of the 14th Amendment says all persons, and this is our Constitution, the Constitution of the United States, which is really our very unique and wonderful document that makes America what it is. Section one, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Which, that is it. That's the equal protection clause of the Constitution in the 14th Amendment. That it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or black or white or religious or irreligious, you have equal protection under our laws. Okay, so who will be affected by the ruling? The 13 states that still ban same-sex marriage, those states that would have to change their policies if the Supreme Court reverses the lower courts. Those states are home to 89 million people, 67 million of whom are adults. The cases being heard by the Supreme Court originated in Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee. Now, would you like to know the combatants? Absolutely. Okay. On the marriage question, Mary Bonato, Civil Rights Project Director at Gay and Lesbian Advocates and Defenders, and U.S. Solicitor General Donald Verrilli. Verrilli. <laughs> Brittany Page, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> will argue for the petitioners. Why can't people just have a last name of Page? I, I know, or Smith. Okay. While Nobody wants a last name of Dollamore, <laughs> Brittany Page. Yeah. While Bonato is a pioneering gay rights activist and MacArthur genius fellow, this is her first argument before the court. It is the other guy I can't pronounce his 42nd argument before the court. Wow. For the respondents, it's John Bursch, a partner at Warner, Norcross, and Judd, and special assistant attorney general of Michigan. 
he has argued eight times before the court. Okay. Um, Some of these things matter, like how many times they've been before the court, because it doesn't matter how seasoned a lawyer and litigator you are or argument maker you are, you're standing before the Supreme Court of the United States. I mean, it's a big fucking deal. Yeah, so on the recognition question, there are some more people with names that are hard to pronounce. Um, (laughs) One of them has argued before the court 15 times, and another one, this will be his first Supreme Court argument, which how daunting is that? Um, So so really, what we're getting to is that they they are choosing whether there will be universal reciprocity between states. If Massachusetts issues a marriage license between two men or two women... Then, then Kentucky will have to recognize said marriage license. That's ultimately what's happening here. Okay, now 538 also gives uh, predictions. So would you like to hear those? Oh, yeah. Well, you, I, listen, we're, we'll give as much time to Nate Silver as he needs. <laughs> okay. So for the predictions, they went to Marshall Plus algorithm. And the wisdom of the crowds at Fantasy SCOTUS. Which is Supreme Court of the United States. To shed some predictive light on the case. There is fairly close agreement between the two. Between Marshall Plus Algorithm and Fantasy SCOTUS. Yeah, these these, uh, predictive websites on how they feel based on their their separate algorithms, how the court will decide. Right. Now, both foresee... who knew that was a thing? I mean, goddamn. Yeah. Both foresee a reversal on both questions. A victory for same-sex marriage, with the algorithm being somewhat more confident than fantasy SCOTUS. Huh. So both predictive measures that 538 apparently relies on, I mean, not relies on, but uses... Right, and I'm going to trust what they right, would right. use. Say that there will be a victory. So the usual swing vote in ideological cases is Justice Anthony Kennedy. That's right. He's a, actually a conservative appointee. I think uh, George H. W. Bush appointed him to the court. He is viewed as having a roughly 75 percent chance of voting to reverse the lower courts. Yeah, he was a more conservative justice, and then as he's gotten older, he has kind of switch teams and on the liberal block you have justices Breyer, ginsburg kagan and sotomayor right of course well that's good listen i i I do think this is going to come down the right way just based on the fact that the way history is trending um but it also leaves in its wake what's going to happen when they do reverse and then gay marriage is the law of the land it's going to leave a lot for and i'm not going to play the dollamocracy music but it's going to do a lot for what are the conservative candidates in the race going to do? Are they going to talk about how, listen, we are a, a land that, that is governed by the rule of law and we are going to follow that law because the highest court in the land is spoken? Or are idiots like Santorum and Huckabee going to talk about um, a constitutional amendment for a marriage being between a man and a woman? Which is a non-starter and would absolutely sink their campaign to start with. So, I don't know. But uh, we're going to play a little clip here of Josh Duggar from 19 Kids and Counting, who apparently is Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council's lackey. And he was questioned after having uh, spoken during the arguments. And this is what he said. What would you say to those who, who call, like, defining marriage between a man and a woman, call that hate speech. 
Well, you know, I, I think that right now in America there is an agenda to silence people of faith, those who hold a dissenting opinion. That's not what America was founded on. America was founded on those respect, tolerance, and, and really not discriminating against people based on their religious convictions. Are you fucking kidding me? Josh Duggar. It's Duggar, right? Is it not Duggar? I thought it was Dugar, but I don't really know because I don't even know what 19 and counting is. Nine, 19 kids and count. I had to write it down. Yeah. I think it's like, like some reality show like on E or TLC or okay. like John and Kate plus eight wasn't enough. So they needed some other ridiculous premise for a show. And it's this family that has like 19 fucking kids like there's not enough kids wow like you it's not enough to have 10 yeah that's a lot you have to have almost 20 that is a lot and it's 19 kids and counting that's so it's too more. much no yeah, stop it's fucking dumb your vagina is not a clown car lady it's not how many you can get out of there fucking weirdo anyway did you hear what he said Brittany page i did he said that america was founded on respect and tolerance. America was founded on those respect, tolerance. He is going to stand there after having argued before the Supreme Court or testified before whatever, saying that America was was founded and we need to shut down gay marriage because because America was founded on tolerance and respect. It's asinine. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's only this is the only kind of backwards ass bullshit that you would see, I believe, my opinion, because I'm not going to play the disclaimer, from Christian logic. That you're not going to allow me to discriminate against someone, therefore you're discriminating against me. That's, that's the sum and substance of it. You know, it's always funny when these people talk about respect and tolerance because, well, he's being so respectful and he's right. being so tolerant. Right, right. 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 Just because you don't raise your voice doesn't mean you're being respectful or tolerant. Exactly. You know what I mean? Anyway, we had another thing. We'll have to get to it next week where a Kentucky judge throws out a case against a T-shirt maker who wouldn't print shirts for a gay pride parade. So we're not going to get to that. But before we wrap it up. It's the asshole of today. Mike from Pittsburgh sent this in to us last week, and we had to skip it because we ran late, and we wanted to get to it today. Bell Gibson, who is a disgraced fitness expert and lied about curing her brain cancer with exercise and diet. By the way, Brittany, I don't know if you know, the only thing that you can cure with exercise and diet is fat, being fat, obesity. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Well, the case is that she never had brain cancer. So she's just a charlatan. She's a con artist. She is what Dr. Oz aspires to be, maybe. Food babe. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Well, I'm getting ready to play a clip here that will give you a little flavor for the, the, the notoriety that she created by claiming that she cured her fake brain cancer with diet and exercise. We're not going to talk about the app that she developed because I don't want to give her any publicity, but this is the kind of the, the personality, the persona that she created around her claim. It's essentially 
a recipe collection um, full of whole foods and vegetarian recipes, which is the way that we encourage people to get back to the fundamentals of eating more fruits and vegetables. The whole pantry was born through Belle's own battle with brain cancer. She was diagnosed with terminal cancer a few years ago. After trying the traditional treatment methods, she turned to whole foods to heal herself instead. And she soon began to develop an app. Traditional treatment methods. That's something that you hear all the time, even from Dr. Oz. If Listen, if traditional medicine's not working for you, try Reiki. It'll cure what ails you. There's this whole thing where they shit on traditional medicine. Right. Like using traditional as old-fashioned. Oh, it's old-fashioned medicine. No, it's up-to-date, cutting-edge, scientific medicine is what it is. So they, all these hippies use this th th that term as traditional medicine. Well, it turns out she is a liar and... The Today Show in Australia, the same woman who watched Fifty Shades of Grey and took a big fat dump on it. <laughs> we played this clip several episodes back. She's again featured on I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome back to the show. Well, disgraced health guru Belle Gibson has finally admitted she was never diagnosed with cancer. In an interview with The Woman's Weekly, Ms Gibson is quoted as saying, No, none of it is true. I'm still jumping between what I think I know and what is reality. Above anything, I would like people to say, OK, she's human. I think my life has just got so many complexities around it and within it that it's just easier to assume I'm lying. Well, to explain the psychology behind... So before she gets to the psychologist, um, it's an odd thing that happens when you get caught in a lie that all of a sudden you've got some kind of a, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm just such a liar. I mean, you either have to embrace it like you've got a problem or go away. I mean... Right. And here's the thing about people like this. I think that, you know, when you hear Food Babe or you hear people like Food Babe and, and you think, well, she has this great reputation. She has almost a million likes on Facebook. There's no way she could be lying. There's no way she could be leading people just to get money. Right, right. Well, don't project your own goodness onto other people. Oh, goddamn. That is beautifully said because that's an, kind of an opposite way of looking at it. Don't project your own goodness your own good-natured attitude onto other people because a lot of times they don't share. They don't share that. That's awesome. Right. Well, it reminds Seriously, me... I'm giving you some props here because that's profound. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that show, What Would You Do? I know you hate this show. Uh, John Quinones. But there, there have been some good segments and one segment that stands there out... There used to be some good segments. True. Now they're just turd-tastic. Okay. One segment... Turd-tacular, Brittany Page. The, the show, What Would You Do? is a hidden camera show where um, unexpected participants are put into situations and videotaped... Uh, well, like for instance you, well i'm gonna give it for instance in my example uh, well i wanted to interrupt and say it instead okay i'm teasing go ahead <laughs> okay so one that sticks out in my mind is when they put up some job advertisement for people to come in and essentially be an actor in an infomercial for a product and when they came in i thought you were gonna do the date rape one no when they came well this one is pertinent to what we're discussing oh, okay okay sorry. okay so when they came in they told these people listen here's what you need to say these are your lines you're promoting this product blah 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 uh this product is harmful and it can cause any number of ailments 
runny butthole, all kinds of stuff. I don't remember what they said, but... Well, we're going to go with runny butthole. Yeah, it was bad stuff like that. So Runny butthole is not good. No. It's terrible. Right. I wouldn't know, but I'm sure from what I've heard, it's bad. (laughs) So... So anyway, then they videotape people's reactions. And I think, you know, some people say, well, listen, I'm not going to promote this product because if it's going to harm people, I don't want to I don't want any part of this. Right, right. But then there's some people that just go to town. I mean, they are selling the S out of that product. They don't care that it's harmful. They want their money. Right. And it's a great symbol for people like Belle Gibson. And... And uh, Vanny Hari, right. the food babe. Right. So this woman writes this book saying, oh, here you go. You have brain cancer. Well, Just that, change your diet. See, that's the problem is that they dissuade people from 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 experiencing real healing technique, real healing technology. Instead, it's eat a fucking artichoke and you're going to be cured of your r- seriously fatal, likely fatal brain cancer. It's. Because she gives anecdotal, oh, this happened to me. It's a testimonial. It's terrible. It's terrible. If there's a hell, this is the kind of people that go there. However, there's not a hell, Brittany Page. There's not. That's what I hear. Well, we're not going to play the psychologist, um, but I just want to say... Well, we didn't get time. And and also, she didn't really say anything. No, she says completely stupid things. She uses the... (laughs) She uses the term um, Pseudiologica fanta- Fantastica. Wait, wait. Well, let me, I can get to that. Hang on. That's just like 30 seconds away. Mind her lies. We're joined now by psychologist Sandy Ray. Sandy, good morning to you. Good morning, Lisa. Um, I would imagine that there's a lot of people, particularly people who are going through the whole cancer journey, who are fairly angry at the sort of advice that Belle Gibson has been handing out. But she's blamed a troubled childhood for her problems, sorting fact from fiction. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I have a lot of trouble with that blame in itself because, yet again, what she's doing is externalising the cause of her behaviour. And this goes to the very core of someone who's a compulsive liar or habitual liar. And the correct name is Pseudologica Fantastica. So this is a woman who has immersed herself in in a whole range of lies. So it's it's this is the problem I have with this kind of a lady, and I don't want to shit on it's like a double asshole of the day. It's you don't need to give the Latin phrase for it after having defined it because we speak English now. You know what I mean? Yeah, my initial problem with her was I thought she just gave the phrase and didn't define it beforehand. So I guess I have less of a problem with it now. But <laughs> but before, I thought she just used the fancy phrase, which just just use the, the terminology that everyone will understand. Yeah, we none- know that you're a psychologist. You have more education than us. You're on TV. But just use the phrase that everyone yeah, will understand. No one speaks Latin anymore except for very few academics. You don't need to say... Oh, she's a compulsive liar. Or the official name is Pseudologica Havalavalava. You don't need to do that. That's dumb. It only serves to self-aggrandize. Anyway, we've gone really long. <laughs> We're going to stop there. Bill Gibson, asshole of the day. That's ultimately what you got to take away from this. Listen, if you love the show, you support the show, and you want to make your mark, go rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever conveyance by which you listen to the show also if you'd like to be a extra giving 
the extra level of support for the show that we need to create some kind of a religion, Brittany Page, like Scientology, where you're giving a little bit more and just you have a little higher level in the I Doubt It with Dollamore universe. You can go to dollamore.com and visit the I Doubt It with Dollamore Amazon link on the left-hand side of the page. You're going to spend your money anyway. We're not asking you to shop at Amazon, but if you're going to spend your money anyway, that is where you do it. We appreciate every single contribution that comes through. It goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show filled with news. News. And ridiculous comment. So listen, we love you. We appreciate every single minute, every single second that you spend listening and communing with us relative to the topics of the day. And we hope to see you next time. And until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. You're a, you're a fucking man. You're not afraid. You're... <laughs> This shit doesn't bother you. You're a fucking man. You can do this.